Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here again. Good to see some folks I've known a long, long time. Good to see some people back. Glad you all are in town and the rest of the family and even some family over here. Uh, you're always welcome. Uh, I've said this a couple of weeks ago. Our sign at the front door says all are welcome and we mean it here. So please come and be with us any and every opportunity that you can. Uh, we're finishing a series here this morning that's titled Promises from the Advent. The Advent is a phrase that we see in some religious groups. We don't usually hear it uh, in many others, but Advent simply means come to. Jesus came to the earth, and when he did, some promises are made by the angels. That's where we'll be focusing on for the last time here this morning on Christmas Eve. And dare I even go ahead and say it? Merry Christmas to all. I don't think the roof will cave in on all of us here this morning if I say that. But Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, it's such an important time of the year because the world, much of it anyway, stops and focuses on the birth of Jesus. And I think that's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to talk about Jesus and why would we not take advantage of the opportunity. I mean, yeah, you may hear some songs about I shouldn't have given my heart to that guy a year ago when you're in the elevators and all that kind of stuff, but there's a lot of songs that focus on Jesus, so that's what we are focusing on this morning. So this month, we're focusing on Luke chapter 2, as Brett said. This is Linus's uh, famous uh, soliloquy. Is that the right way of saying that? That word came to mind. It's been a long time since I've ever used that word. This is where he comes forward and tries to tell Charlie Brown what the meaning of Christmas is. Now remember, as we said, almost absolutely certain Jesus was not born, not only on December 25th, but all of December. But that's kind of, you know, focusing on minute my, my little details. When he's born, Luke 2 is where the angels appear for the first time to the shepherds, telling them, go check this out. Go check this out. And in the process of telling them, they give some promises to the shepherds and by extension all of us. So let's go back and look at Luke 2 one more Sunday. Picking up Luke 2 10 through 14, the angels say fear not. Now again as I said they were probably shaking in their boots or whatever they were wearing. You and I would if angels suddenly out of nowhere I doubt we'd be standing. We'd probably think the, the end of the world had come or we had lost our minds at some point finally. But they say fear not. Don't be afraid for behold I bring you good news of great joy. We talked the first week about how the birth of Jesus is designed to bring joy to people. He's here for a very good reason, a, a reason that brings good news of great joy, as he says, which will be for all the people. So followers of Jesus should not go around looking sour-faced, like you've eaten a persimmon. I still haven't eaten a persimmon. I need to do that so I know what real sourness is like. Great joy for all the people. Why? Why was there a great joy? Well, the angel says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. Born a Savior. Save, as he told, that the angel told Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came. And suddenly, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host was praising God, saying, Glory to God. We talked about that last week. Not only is it glory to God for his plan finally taking shape here in the birth of Jesus, but because he is our Savior and makes a difference in us, our lives are to glorify God. And we do that by 
honoring God, we do that by living for God and showing Him the glory and honor He deserves ruling within us. But this morning for the last promise made, peace on earth. So not only had God sent His Son to be our Savior and to bring great joy to glorify God and for us to bring glory to God, but the promise is made of peace on earth. So what does that mean? Well, let's dig in. The last phrase had been glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Note the contrast. <clears throat> glory, honor, and majesty to God in the highest. And at the same time, it should bring peace on earth. Well, certainly, that night Jesus was born was likely peaceful near Bethlehem. I mean, after all, we didn't sing it today, but one of the songs is Silent Night. Holy night, Jesus is born, and I imagine it was a rather peaceful time around Bethlehem. But what is meant here by peace? Was the promise made that wars would be no more? Was the promise made that there wouldn't be any violent people anymore? I mean, since that day, and continuing to today in certain parts of the world, in fact, many parts of the world, there's been a constant set of war, people hating each other, People who can't stand the sight of somebody that they disagree with who is not like them. So if that's what was meant, what do we make of that? Well, I'm going to suggest that it can mean a state of national war. It can mean uh, a, a freedom from that state of war. It can mean tranquility. I mean, it can mean that when you think of peace. That's often what we use the word peace for. But the word also means peace between <coughs> individuals. Harmony, concord, right? We're, we're all in one accord. We're all of one mind. We're all getting along. We're all getting along. And hopefully, that's what families are going to do here for the next few days. Sometimes it doesn't seem that way. It seems like when we all get together, it's when they all get stirred up. That's not what is intended. Hopefully, we can put aside any arguments and stuff like that, put them in a box and bring them out in March or something like that, keep them free from here now. So what? is meant by peace among individuals. We'll take a look at some verses that I think will help explain what's meant by peace on earth coming from the advent of Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, first of all, or in the first place then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Did you notice he doesn't say for people you like? People that you think agree with you, people that are in your neighborhood, in your state, in your country, that prayers be made for everyone. And supplications, prayers, and intercessions are just different words for the same thing. Take people before God, wishing uh, good for them, right? Look at who he says right after this. For all people, including for kings and all who are in high positions. The king at this time, the emperor, the Caesar, was almost certainly Nero. Hardly someone you would tend to think people and subjects would have been wishing well for, right? Uh, history suggests that he set Christians on fire to light his gardens. Don't know. But the Caesars weren't exactly good individuals. They were notoriously evil. And yet, Paul says to pray for them. Let me put it to you. That if Paul can say to pray for Nero, every single person who claims to be a Christian can pray for 
city council individuals can pray for mayors, can pray for congressional representatives, can pray for governors, can pray for senators, and yes, can pray for presidents, no matter who they are. And shame on us if we want to throw what Paul says out. Sure, pray for Nero, but don't pray for President Bill in the blank. Paul would be highly disappointed in this. Now, why does he say to pray for all people and for people <laughs> kings and people in positions of authority? Is it, Gina will laugh at this, is it to have the property tax rate be what I want it to be? Is it to have this social policy or this economic policy put in place? Pray that they get it right because I have it right in my head. Is that why we're supposed to pray for them? Absolutely not. As I've said, God doesn't care what the tax rate is. He really doesn't. The reason we pray for people is that we might lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Our job here is to work on people's hearts one at a time. And the hope is that whatever government's in place, Caesar or whatever, is one that allows us to live our lives so that we can become the kind of people on the inside and outside that God wants us to be. And so we can help people. That's why we're here. And that's why we pray for leaders and people in positions of authority. But we need to pray for them. That we can lead a peaceful and a quiet life. Number two, Romans 12, 17 through 18 gets a little more personal here. Repay no one evil for evil. So Mark, the next time you smack me upside the head, I'm really not supposed to smack you back. I probably will fail. That's good. That's good. It'll be good, right? Don't pay back. Don't seek revenge. Repay no one, no one evil for evil. But give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Look at the next statement. If possible, as far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, again, if I were to come up and smack Mark upside the head, I'm picking on him because I've known him forever, he's sitting up close to the front row, that happens, so be careful, Matt, you're next, I guess. But if I smack him upside the head, it's tough for him to live in a peaceable way because of me. But we are supposed to do what we can. As far as depends on you, live peaceably. Don't start things. Let things slide off, if you will. Repay no one evil for evil. That's not what God would have us do. Hebrews 12, 14 says something similar. Strive for peace with everyone. Strive is the idea of working at it. It's something we are to be focused on. Live peaceably with everyone as much as I can influence. Strive for peace with everyone. How on earth are we supposed to do that? I think there's a couple of ways. We didn't read the entirety of that passage today from Luke 2. Brett noticed. He was looking like, is there a couple other words missing? I saw that. He was like, okay, I appreciate you stopping because that was the point. There was a hook there. We didn't read everything the angel said. He said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Who's the he? God. When Jesus came, there's glory to God for bringing Jesus into the world and starting his plan. We are to glorify God with our lives, with our choices, with the way we live. And as part of that, there will be peace on earth 
among those with whom God is pleased. The promise of peace from the Advent is peace among those with whom God is pleased, those who are members of his family. God brings peace to us, and that's how we help bring peace to the world. And that's just coming from a God who is a God of peace. Look at Romans 15.33. Paul says toward the end of the book of Romans, May the God of peace be with you all. Philippians 4.19, the God of peace will be with you. God is a God of peace. And when we are his children, when we are members of his family, that peace should come into us. Making it easier to repay no one evil for evil. Making it easier to, as far as it depends on me, to live peaceably with everyone. Peace comes from God. The God of peace. Look at Colossians 1. For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's what the Advent is all about. Jesus emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. All of what God is, somehow or other, became human in the form of Jesus. I cannot, and I do not attempt to explain that. But he did. And through him, through Jesus' life, look at the important part. Through him to reconcile to himself, reconcile to God all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. What's this peace that Jesus had to make? All of us have fallen short of the glory of God when we chose to live for ourselves. When we chose to do something we knew we shouldn't do, at some point older than three or four years old. When we chose to do something we're supposed to do that was hurtful, hateful, or in defiance of things we knew were right. We were separated from God. Sin. Jesus came to have reconciliation. There's one word for the entire New Testament. It's really that, reconciliation. The intent is to bring all of us to God and all of us to peace with each other. And we've done such a pitiful, pitiful job of that. Jesus died on the cross, made peace between God and humanity by paying the price for my choices. My mistakes. And there is now peace between God and his people, God and those <coughs> members of his family. That's expounded upon in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Paul says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated, another fancy word, for separated from the commonwealth, the nation of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He's talking to Gentiles here in this portion of Ephesians 2. And he says, remember, in the past, you didn't have any hope because God was not for the Gentile. But it's different today. Because but now in Christ Jesus, you once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, presumably, at least I would think 99% of us in this room, in this building this morning, and likely even watching remotely, are Gentiles from a background. All of us would have been, you were separated from Christ. You were separated from God. God would 
special people were the Jewish people until Jesus came and died and reconciled the world to God, those who have given their lives to Jesus. You were separated, but now you have been brought near. You were far off. You now have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. And this blood of Christ was to reconcile us both, Jew and Gentile, everyone, reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing, putting an end to hostility, making peace. And he, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far off, Gentiles, and to those who were near, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. separated from God anymore. We don't have to be hostile toward each other anymore. God, the God of peace, made peace. We couldn't make the peace. There was no way for us to make the peace. Jesus came and made peace and reconciled us to God. The God of peace living within us helps us to have peace with once we are members of God's family, that change starts to happen in us. Once we are followers of Jesus, we are supposed to begin changing. Look at Colossians 3, 8 through 10. But now, now that you're members of God's family, now you must put away, put them all away. Look at this list. Anger, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. The first three, being harsh to other people. Anger, wrath, and malice. So much of what causes trouble in the world is because somebody gets mad, angry, upset, hateful, and that's not what God wants us to do. The actual language for this is to take it out back and shoot it. Put it to death. Can't be there anymore. Can't live that way anymore. Because if we're family, we're supposed to love one another. If we're members of God's family, we're supposed to be people of peace as far as it depends on us. Also says, do not lie to one another, seeing you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new. The illustration here is of taking off an old, dirty coat. It's got stains all over it, dirt all over it. Take the old one off, throw it away, and put on something brand new. The old me is dead. I'm supposed to be the new me. Why do I keep acting like the old me? Why do I want to put on that dirty, stinky coat? Most of us have one of those in our trunk. I mean, garage, some corner of the garage, it's an old coat, it stinks. Who knows what's on it? Why do we keep putting that on? We're supposed to put the new me on, and that new me's got to be clothed with peace, not hate, not anger, not wrath. Put on them, he says, since you're members of God's family, since you're members of God's chosen ones, Passionate hearts. You see somebody that's in need, pain, or suffering? Care. Care. <coughs> Have humility and kindness. Think of other people before you think of yourself. We're supposed to bear with one another, and if someone has a complaint against somebody, Philip, if you have a complaint against me, you're really after me, I did you wrong, what does it say? supposed to forgive one another. Why? I can't, I'm not going to forgive Gene. Why would I forgive Gene for what he did to me? 
He clenches it in the next sentence, doesn't he? Look, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. If Jesus could forgive me, if God could forgive me, we got nothing. We can't forgive each other. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Look, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. If I'm a member of God's family, the peace of God, the peace of Jesus should be living in my heart so that I don't fly off the handle, so that I don't show anger and wrath and malice, so that I don't lie, so that I don't stir up problems with friends and neighbors and people that I meet. What would the world be like People who call themselves Christians live that way. What would the world be like if more people were followers of Jesus and they lived that way? Well, I can't fix the whole world this instant. I can certainly work on me. And maybe by working on myself and focusing on Jesus and focusing on peace and being kind and gentle and caring about people, maybe that will make a difference in the world. There's a popular song, even at this time of the year, it's very popular, sung by Vince Gill. Anything coming to mind? Think about the subject matter today and Vince Gill. Just a title. Anything? So we're talking about no, it's not, uh, they're, they're close. The, the shop, the, the drinking establishment is closed for any of that kind of stuff. No, that's not that. That's not what he said. How about this? I know we all know this one. Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. That's going to be your earworm. You'll think of that most of the day. Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. Can you hear him singing it? I can. I can hear him singing it right now in my head. I think that's missing this thing. It's missing this thing. Peace begins with God, and we let, as we let the peace rule, of God rule in our hearts, then peace on earth increases. Let there be peace on earth. God is the God of peace, and as God is living in my heart, let it begin with who I am now. With who I am now. So my question this morning is, do you want peace in your life? Do you need peace in your life? <clears throat> The only way to have peace in your life, the only way to have more peace on the earth, which I think we all want, I do, is to have peace with God today by becoming a member of his family. If you need prayer for anything, if you need to talk to us about anything, this is your opportunity. Have peace with God today as we stand and sing.